Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Jacob, for leading us in a response that the Lord stirred in your heart. I was, I was just sensing worship, you know, that there's just, you know, when we surrender to God, when we, when we, when we just, you know, as the song was saying, bow ourselves before Him, that, you know, He, He delivers us. He's the one that sets us free. He's the one that does stuff. And our, our response is always just, I'm just going to worship Jesus. I'm just going to honor Him. I'm just going to lay it all before Him. I'm going to surrender it to Him. And then Jesus, does something for me, which is amazing. It's amazing that the king who's worthy to be worshipped, that we, we worship him, and then he's, he doesn't just receive the worship. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move in your life too. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to declare that you are worthy. Uh, did you know that that's true? That forever the blood of Jesus declares that you are worthy of all of his life? If... It says in Romans 8 that he who did not spare his own son for you, how will he not also along with him give you all things? In other words, if God the Father didn't stop spare Jesus for you, why is he going to something else withhold from you? Or grammatically correct, withhold something else from you. <laughs> He's not. He's not going to withhold something good from you. He will withhold bad stuff. <laughs> Even stuff that looks good, if he knows it's bad, he'll withhold it. So anyway, it's a different sermon. So don't want to get too far on that one. So today we are continuing through First Peter. We kind of accidentally started a series, and we're in chapter 2, so we're going to keep going. Uh, and last week we addressed, you know, submission to authority in our government. And uh, I stirred up a few people, so... Sorry about that. Um, I don't really want people to take away guns, just for the record. Uh, <clears throat> clear that up, okay? Um, but I do want Jesus to be most important over any of those issues. Over those, any of those, that's, that's, the, that's the heart of 1 Peter here is like set apart Jesus Christ as Lord, and then you can endure all these other things. You're going to face, you're going to face trials. You're going to face tribulations. You're going to have persecution. People are going to mistreat you. There's going to be stuff that goes on in your life that's totally unfair. And you don't deserve to go through it. But in the middle of it, set apart Jesus Christ as Lord. And walk in what He has called you to walk in. In purity. In, in, in honesty. In goodness. In gentleness. In strength. So we're on the next section, 1 Peter 2 and verse 18. So if you want to turn there, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse This is going to get interesting. First Peter two eighteen says this: Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. 
But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable, or really the word there is, you receive favor before God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And this is a quote from Isaiah. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judge, judges justly. He himself, it's another quote from Isaiah 53, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I confess I've never preached on this passage of Scripture before. <laughs> this is probably not the one that people, you know, you don't, it's not one of the, the, the go-tos that you pull out of your back pocket, right, Dave? And just like, man, First Peter 2.18, we're just going to go right to slave, submit to your masters type thing. Because, first of all, we don't understand what he's talking about in terms of slavery. So we have to address that first. When it says slaves submit to your master, when I when we think of slavery, especially in the United States, what do we think of? Racial slavery that was, you know, a mark on our nation and we're still healing, we're still learning to get healed from all that stuff, right? I mean, there's stuff stirred up. Whether people are right or wrong or making good choices or bad choices, they're still pain and hurt and confusion and things that still need to be healed in our nation related to slavery. And so Peter here addresses slaves, but we have to understand, what is he saying in the first century church? And so I'm going to have to give you a little lesson. I had to give myself a little lesson uh, on first century slavery. First of all is this. There's more than one word for slave in Greek. The, the, the word that is used most often in the New Testament is the word doulos. And doulos is basically a, a bondservant, probably more like we think of when we think of slavery. Just someone who's forced to do manual labor, and they are at the lowest position in society. They have no rights. They don't make any money. There's, there's nothing for them. They are totally mistreated. It, it is totally unjust. And that is actually the word uh, that... Paul later uses and says, hey, you're, you're slaves of Jesus. In other words, you, you know, he's not saying that God is unfair. He's not saying he's going to treat you wrong. He's just saying that you are submitted to him as the complete master of your life. You're a slave of Jesus Christ. That is not the word that's used here. This is a different Greek word, which means household servant. Some of your Bible translations might even say Household servant in it. Uh, if it's a super modern translation, maybe you're a uh, more uh, contemporary language translation. 
Um, but that this, this was describing the household slaves in the Roman culture of the day. In the Roman culture of the day, in the Roman Empire at this time, about one-third of people were slaves, household slaves. Now, it was not the same. I'm not saying it's good. Let me clarify that. We're not saying that this is, this is right or necessarily good, but we are differentiating so we understand who he's talking to here. He's not talking to some slave who is daily being forced to do severe manual labor, is getting beaten, and is being, uh, you know, totally oppressed. That, that is not who, who this is. Uh, this is not like New World slavery. That's, that's what we know of as slaves, is like New World slavery, when the New World was founded, and there was slaves coming from Africa mostly, in Europe and in the United States, uh, and you know those things were thankfully broken, uh, and that was Jesus' plan, the kingdom of God at work. Uh, but in Roman slavery, there was a path to freedom. You were not guaranteed to be a slave forever. Uh, it was it was actually a a position that you could actually willingly put yourself in to actually better your life. Slaves were sometimes actually giving income, and so when they were they were they would be able to save their income. And there was two ways they could be free. They could either buy themselves out of slavery if they achieved enough income, or due to their good behavior and their honor for their master and their good service, their master could grant them freedom. So a whole different ballgame. Now, were there still, was there still slavery that was more oppressive going on? Of course there was going on, but that's not who Peter's talking to right here. Um, slavery was sometimes desirable due to the benefit of the master. If you were a slave in a master's home, you had the same, some of the same authority and power and honor as the master. And in fact, some willfully chose slavery in that time because it was actually a better life than just trying to find an odd job or make a living in the culture of the time. Some people, it was even granted to you if your master was a Roman citizen, if you became a slave in his household, you could actually, through earning your freedom become a Roman citizen, which is a very high status of that time. So I want to read this. I'm going to read something to you. I've kind of explained it all. This is a commentary on the scriptures here. To be a slave was not to be assigned to a specific, especially low-class station in life. Slaves had the status and power that was connected with their masters. If their master was powerful, they indirectly inherited that power too. Thus, it was desirable at times to be a slave. While most slaves of the New Testament documents were born that way because their mothers were slaves, many chose slavery over the vagabond existence of finding odd jobs. The tasks characterizing slavery were immensely diverse And we must avoid the notion that all slaves were manual labor servants. Listen to this. Doctors, teachers, writers, accountants, agents, bailiffs, overseers, secretaries, and sea captains all comprised the slave population. So what what does that mean? You're like, that's that's fascinating, Pastor John. But uh, what does that mean? 
So Peter here, we have to know who he's addressing. We have to know that he is addressing people who are basically, some of them, in a high position of employment in the culture. And he's saying to them, when your master's unfair, you still submit. When you're mistreated, you're, you're, you're given the opportunity to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. This, of course, does not justify slavery in any way. There's nowhere in this passage it says, hey, this is, this is okay. Everybody, everybody clear on that? Did you know that this passage was used, especially in the South, to biblically justify slavery of African Americans in our history? That's not what this passage is saying. That was a misuse of Scripture. That was taking Scripture and turning it into what it doesn't mean. First of all, because it never says, hey, slavery is good. It doesn't ever declare that. It says, you're in this situation, and you were born into it, and you're dealing with it, so how are you going to respond as a child of God? And it was honestly, it's more like your workplace. That's a great, that's the application for today. If we were to apply this to today, think about this. Employees, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your boss. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Shoot, can, can we remove that from the Bible? <laughs> right? For you will find favor if someone, you will receive favor if someone bears up under the pain of what? Unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. What Peter is saying here, there is an aspect of the favor of God that you will access in your life when you suffer mistreatment in life and you still honor. You still honor Jesus and you still honor those who have been placed in a submission of authority. Now is Peter saying that if you are asked to do something that is against the word of God, that violates the word of God, or that violates you know, ethical principles that you just submit to your master? No, he's not saying that. He's saying if you unjustly are blamed for not doing the job, then you can find favor with God by still saying, I'm going to honor my boss. I'm going to honor the authority that's been given to them. Isn't this a challenging book? <laughs> like this book of 1 Peter? Like Some of you are like, man, I want to tear some of these pages out. <laughs> Did you know that sometimes the favor, you know, like we think of the favor of God, because that's the word there. The word there is in Greek is charis, which means grace or favor. It's like, you know, the grace of God is sufficient for you. It's the same word. So it's like there is, there is favor from God that you can only access when you are mistreated, even though it's wrong. It's, it's, you were wrongly mistreated. We sometimes think, what do I, I think of the favor of God like this. When it's all going good and I get everything that I want, I've got the favor of God on my life. I mean, that's kind of, that's the, isn't that kind of like the American Christian lens? Like, 
man, it's all going good. I got favor in my life. I got the parking spot I wanted. I went to the store, and there was a thing I was looking for, and they had one left, and I was the one. And you're like, God put it there for me, and He He wanted me to have this thing, and oh, He's blessing me so much, and oh, my boss loves me, and I got a raise, and blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, if someone's like, you know, man, my, my work is just killing me right now, and they're like totally unfair, and like this other guy got a promotion, and I should have got the promotion, and he's cheating the company, but they're blessing him more. They doubled his salary and gave him a big bonus, even though he's stealing. I know he's stealing, and you know, I'm living right, and they're treating me wrongly, and I'm getting disciplined, and I'm, I'm receiving punishment and unfair treatment, even though I'm doing the right thing. And we wouldn't say, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm accessing the favor of God right now. We go like, God, how come I don't have your favor? But Peter's saying, look, there's a part of the favor of God that you enter into when you have the heart of Jesus. When you have the heart of Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, look, you get to, you know, it's God's will that you actually go through suffering. It does say that right there, doesn't it? Am I wrong? Does it, does the scripture not say that? It says, to this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you what? An example. So there are some times when you are walking through that, thankfully, you know, I've never known anybody that it's like that all the time. Like this is not the whole Christian life. Thank you, Jesus, right? But this is part of the Christian life. This is what you signed up for with Jesus as Lord. We don't advertise that one for up front usually, right? <laughs> Come have the hardest life ever. Just receive Jesus. <laughs> we changed it around a little bit. Like, it's the best life ever. It is the best life ever. You know what? Man, have you ever been tr- mistreated at work? Have you ever, have you ever had been blamed wrongly for something? I'm not saying you have to stay in that job, but you better not think that just because you're in that situation that God says, oh, you're supposed to leave. You're supposed to say, Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor as long until you tell me to leave. And when, when you tell me to leave, because I'm following you, you're the master. When you walk away from this, then I walk away from this. And there's a couple times they tried to kill Jesus before his time. And Jesus is like, well, we're not going to let you do that. It's not, it's not time yet. Because I'm, I'm, I'm working through the purposes of God. It's the same thing in our life. There's the purposes of God are at work in my life. I, I have to believe that. As a son or daughter of the King of Kings, the purpose of God is at work in my life. And so if God is working his purposes by growing me and changing me and making me look more like Jesus through suffering then I better not run away from it because that's the will of God in my life. You know, Isaiah 53 is just, is just an incredible passage. And there's several quotes here. He quotes it several times uh, from, from Isaiah chapters 4, five, or verses 4, 5, and 6 mostly, where he's taking pieces of those verses and saying, you know, by his wounds you were healed. He, no deceit was found in his mouth. Um, you know, that's one, of the, that's one of the things we get to do is watch our mouths. 
probably one of the hardest things to do is watch your mouth, right? Especially, I mean, not when it's all good. Yeah, my mouth is fine when it's all good, right? Oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's all good. How's it going? Oh, I got the favor of God. I'm blessed, saved, healed, and not been delivered. And then it's like when things are going hard, it's like my mouth sometimes is... Speaking deceit. It says there was no deceit found in Jesus' mouth. In other words, Jesus did not try to worm his way out of a hard situation by talking smoothly. You know, some people have that skill. I'm not sure that I have that skill. Um, maybe I do. I don't, I don't know. But some people can, you know, can, can talk themselves out anything, right? But there were, everything they're saying is not true. There's a, there's a, there's a hint of truth in there, but there's a little bit of deception. In other words, the purpose of me talking is to deceive you, is to make you think something different than reality. And it says Jesus, that there was no deceit was found in his mouth. That he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna endure, I'm gonna press on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in the will of God for my life. And I'm going to, I'm going to carry out the purpose. Now, of course, Jesus' purpose was his suffering was going to bring healing to all of humanity. It says, by his wounds we were healed. So what's the point? Number one, the heart is more important than position. Where your heart is is more important than your position in life, than your position at your job, than your position in the church, a ministry, or status. I mean, there's, there's, the, the, your heart is more important than any of those things. That's what God's saying. He's like, look, He's always dealing with the issues of the heart. Are you willing to suffer and still honor Jesus? Number two, the life you live is more important than your status in life. There's people watching. You may not think there's people watching, but they're watching. They're watching every single follower of Jesus. Once you declare yourself a follower of Jesus, your neighbors, your coworkers, they're watching. Because you know what? They've seen a lot of people who have the, the T-shirt and the name and the mouth that says, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I, lo I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. And then they've been, had all kinds of other treatment and attitudes and words that have been spoken to them by someone who says, I'm like Jesus. I mean, did, do you know where the word, the name Christian came from? Does everybody remember where that came from? It says in the city of Antioch, they were first called Christians there. You know why they were called Christians there? Because they looked so much like Jesus that they started in a bad way calling in those are just those, 
those Christian people. Those are those those Christs. Again, we're not Christ. We're not the Messiah. Clear that up. But he's that's what the the it says the world named the believers Christians. They didn't name themselves that. We didn't sign up for that name. But the reason they were given that name is because it's like, you're so much like Jesus, I'm just going to call you by his name and add I-A-N-S on it. <laughs> I mean, I understand it was a different language and they weren't adding I-A-N-S. So. <laughs> but that's what, that's what happened, is they looked so much like Jesus that the people who didn't know Jesus said, I'm just going to call you by his name. I'm going to give you the label. Whereas we flipped it around sometimes where we have to labor ourselves and then everybody else is like, they look in the Bible, they, they go, Jesus, Christian. Jesus, Christian. And they're like, I'm confused here. Which one am I supposed to believe? Is it Jesus or is this Jesus? And what are we doing if we send two messages to the world? We're confusing the message of the gospel by the way we live our lives. The way we live our lives is supposed to confirm the message of the gospel. It's supposed to display who Jesus is. Look, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. If you think you are, just get married. That section is next, by the way. <laughs> so if you don't want to be here, skip next week. <laughs> Don't do that for real, but, you know, <laughs> I'll change it up on you and skip a week and bring it back the next week. Uh, <laughs> what if people saw more believers looking like Jesus? And they said, look, these people are willing, they're willing to suffer and still live a life of honor and worship and integrity and respect. You see how this elevates everything above something as small compared to the kingdom as the Bill of Rights. I'm not against the Bill of Rights. It's awesome. It's, I'm totally for that. But that's not number one in my life. The kingdom of God has to be number one. If it's not number one, if Jesus is not number one, then every other priority of my life is misplaced. And that's exactly what Peter is saying. He's laying it down. Hey, look, when they're harsh to you, you submit yourself, you keep working. You keep doing your job. You keep doing your best. You give it all that you have. You be the best worker that they have. Even if they're treating you unfairly, you still work harder than anybody else. You have more integrity than anybody else. When everybody else is cutting corners, you're like, nope, I'm not going to do that because I follow Jesus. And I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to take the under-the-table money that's coming to me. I'm not going to take all the deals that happen in the oil fields like, hey, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. I'm going to live a life of integrity that says, no, that's wrong. I won't do that. Because I follow Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes you make that decision and you'll suffer. 
You're like, hey, man, oh, you're not going to play ball? We play ball in this company, right? This is how we play ball. And you're like, I'm not going to play ball. And guess what? You're, you're not going anywhere then. You're stuck where you're at, man. I'm not going to let you. I'm, I'm going to stand against you. I'm going to make sure you don't move up. I'm going to make sure you don't get that promotion. What are you going to do at that point? You're just going to quit? Sometimes God will tell you, you release yourself. But sometimes they'll say, no, you stay and be a person of integrity, and your life is going to be a witness to them. You're being called to suffer like Jesus in that moment for that season. I don't think Jesus ever leaves us in those seasons forever. Because guess what? Jesus went through a season of suffering, and then he died, and then he came back, and now he's living a season of victory. <laughs> Sometimes after the season of suffering is the season of victory. But you don't get to the season of victory without the season of suffering. And Peter's saying, let's honor God. Let's press in, and we're going to get the favor of God in our lives, the grace of God in our lives in a way that we can experience it when the time is easy. And through all this, you have to know that you're being guided by the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In other words, you're following a good shepherd. It's not that he's saying, no, this, you deserve this. or you need, No, he's just saying, look, you can walk in the, my steps. I'm going to give you the grace to walk through this. God doesn't abandon you and say, hope you can make it. <laughs> Good luck, man. Boy, man, I, I know it's going to be rough, Tommy, but <laughs> I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> I'm just going to sit in heaven and watch for a little bit. Man, it's really comfortable in heaven right here, this throne. <laughs> I went through my hard time. Now it's your turn. No, he's, he's going to walk with us every step of the way. He's never going to leave us. So when, when, you're, when you're suffering, you know what? And that's even the better thing is it says in the, in the Scriptures, it says, hey, when one member suffers, we all suffer. In other words, there's also the community of, of believers where we come to us and we encourage one another to say, man, let me pray for you right now. I know you're going through a hard time. We're going to pray that God will give you strength until he tells you to leave, until he says your time is up. You have fulfilled your purpose. You have honored me. You have been a person of integrity. You have worked hard. You've been the best worker they have ever had, and they've totally shafted you. But guess what? I'm going to keep you there, and you're going to be a witness to them, and there's going to be a time we're going to say okay that time's up now now we're going to move on the shepherd's going to go come on that field is done we're going to a different field now a lot of times when you'll find yourself in a season that might be the hardest time of your life you know there and and you'll get through it and then you'll say i am so glad i went through that not right away It takes a little bit of perspective, but when you go back, I, I, there's thing, I've never gone through something hard and said, I wish I didn't go through that. Because those things have shaped my life. They've shaped my heart. They, they've given me, they also give me something important that I need to deal with people, compassion. Man, if, I, if my life has all been easy and then someone comes to me and their life is just horrifically hard, it's hard for me to, to have compassion if I haven't been through something hard as well. It may not be the same thing, but I can relate to, I've been in a situation like that 
where I felt the same way as you felt. And so I, I want to tell you, I'm going to encourage you right now with, with truth. I'm going to speak uh, the truth of God in your life. I'm going to declare strength in you. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for you. I'll stand with you until God says the season is done. It's time to move on. So the word is like a sword sometimes. It sometimes cuts us up and allows us to, to grow, and I think that's what this passage did today. So I want to pray for you, and then we're going to respond just right at the end. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just declare strength over every child of God that's sitting in this place, God, that we would be able to live a life that's honorable to you. We'd be able to live a life of faith, live a life trusting ourselves to our Father, Lord, knowing that you are the judge. You're the one who's going to judge justly. You're going to make things all, you're going to make things right, Lord, at the end of time, every wrong will be made right. And so we trust you, Jesus, that you are and working to make all things new. So even in the middle of our unfair treatment, our suffering, our trials, our tribulations, that you're present with us and you are forming the image of Jesus in us. You are making us look more like Jesus. Lord, and if there's something that I know that's the purpose you want in my life, most of all is that I would look more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill us with strength to endure so that we can obtain the favor of God that's through the field, the season of suffering. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want everybody to stand, and I'm going to have a few of our leaders up. If you have never given your life to Jesus, if, you, if, you, if you're like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. What's all this stuff that you're, you're talking about? If you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, then there's going to be some people up front that can pray with you and explain to you and answer questions about who Jesus is. If you still need prayer for specifically... Uh, if there's something in your life that's going on, if you need healing in your body, then please, please don't leave here today without someone praying with you. Maybe you weren't comfortable doing it when everybody's watching. So we're going to dismiss here. So if you would, if you want to be dismissed, then you are free to dismiss. If you need prayer, then I encourage you to come on up and we would love to pray with you today. God bless you. I'd wait about 10 minutes to get kids. Give them about 10 minutes so to finish their VBS. Thank you, Jacob.